0: Sometimes on a Sunday morning, um, you might have an encounter with God or respond uh, to saving faith, and, um, or you might come here broken and say, God, I really just could use some help. Um, you have a connection card, and that's one of the avenues we hope that you'll use to con- um, express ways we can pray, decisions you may have made that you want to encourage somebody. Um, and so we hope that you'll use that. Uh, you can fill it out, or if you have new information for us, we'd really appreciate that as well. And again, that's a tool um, we'd like to use. Um, also, a great opportunity that we continue to have is um, uh, for some years now, we've been able to help and bless the people in Guatemala through Christmas boxes. And some of you may be familiar with that. If not, if you're new and you're like, boy, I, that's something that would really, I'd really like to do that, um, you can see Adam Sarf. He was, he was a good-looking guy playing the guitar here. And he's the guy who kind of heads that up for us, and, um, and so it's, it's a great opportunity as well. And maybe you notice the flower on the organ, and uh, we have a new birth into our congregation, uh, Holly and Hollis Larson, and uh, they've had a little boy, uh, Heston John. And so we welcome that precious life and congratulate them, and so that's the flower over there. And so that's wonderful, yes. We continue our study in Titus, I'm appreciative of Dan taking us through the book of Philemon. Um, What a blessing to learn more from that book and uh, to hear the message and heartbeat uh, of the Gospels that came out as Dan was able to share with us. I appreciate that. I want to look at Titus 1 verses 9 through 16 as we continue to build upon um, what really this book is about. Verse 9 says, in speaking of the qualifications of the elders, it picks up what Paul's been saying. He said, an elder must hold fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching that he may be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. For there are many rebellious men, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, who must be silenced, because they are upsetting whole families teaching things they should not teach for the sake of sordid gain. Verse 12 says, One of themselves, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true, and for this cause reprove them severely that they may be sound in the faith. Not paying attention to Jewish myths and commandments of men who turn away from the truth. because To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, Nothing is pure, but both their mind and their conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny him, being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. There's a a story, um, actually, of a lovely lady. And she, we're told, was bringing up three very lovely girls, Maybe you've heard it. The story goes, all of them had hair of gold, like their mother, who happened to be the youngest one in curls. The story goes on to tell us of a man named Brady. He was busy with three boys of his own, you can imagine. The reality is there were four men living all together, but the sad truth is they were all alone. Oh, till that one day. Ah, that one day when this lady met this fellow, and you know what they knew was much more than a hunch. You see, what was going to happen is this group they knew must somehow form a family, and that's the way they all became... You've heard the story. Well, all right. all right. There's a lot to that story. Um, Sometimes we fly through it and you watch the reruns. Um, But it seems the key to that story is that this group they somehow had to move from being a group of diverse persons from diverse backgrounds difficulties and they needed to become a family that's the story of the people on Crete this island that Paul was sent to that all these individuals from different backgrounds exposed to different beliefs some living victorious lives some very difficult ones and with all this diversity Paul sends Titus and says, this group, they need to become a family. And in order for them to become a family, I need you to set in place, I need you to set in order, Remember, we talked about the, that being a medical term, elders, these overseers that would help this group to become a family. And one of the roles of this, these elders would be they were supposed to protect these people, so that as they lived out the call on their life, that this group would somehow become a family who would live together as God's very own people. And really the theme of Titus is that on a human level, these elders were responsible to bringing order into the life of this church, into the affairs of the church. But on the other level, while they are doing that, God is at work producing a people Clearly identifiable, clearly distinguishable, utterly distinctive as a very special family, a very special people, uniquely God's people in that area. And so in light of that, Paul shows the importance of protecting God's people so that those around in Crete could see a people clearly identifiable. That wasn't just a group, there's so much more. They were a family, God's very own special people. And these infant churches were experiencing an infiltration, as the church will forever be, unfortunately, false teachers while we walk this earth. And so it's no wonder that Titus is told, make sure you choose elders who are holding fast the faithful word. This sound doctrine that Paul says of the apostles that was po- that was passed on to him. This leadership needs to be deeply committed to sound doctrine, making it constantly and abundantly available to the people, mainly for two reasons. One, for the nurturing and encouragement of believers. And secondly, they need to help hold fast this word for refuting those who are in opposition. So Paul moves into an elaboration of what he means about the refuting of those who believe. Who don't believe, and who oppose believers. And the emphasis, he says, is really on sound, healthy doctrine, that which builds up. Now, just by way of reminder, doctrine, that very word, is a set of teachings that align with the revealed word of God. It's what Paul has in mind, this doctrine. These teaching teachings that were revealed. Look at verse 9, holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, okay. This, this teaching was revealed. Paul's insistent that this sound doctrine delivered to him and the apostles is not man-made. If you read Galatians 1, 11-12, we're told Paul tells his church that the church of Jesus Christ must constantly be reminded that fundamental to church life is the sound doctrine of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that was not made up by man but was revealed by God. It's a God-given revelation. This is what sets the church apart from the rest of society and is a fundamental difference between a Christian and a non-Christian because society operates on the basis of human speculation, not on God's revelation. God's revelation is sound doctrine, and it's sound only because it is divine revelation. And so Paul says the sound doctrines revealed, and then it's relayed you see it must be relayed by those to whom it was revealed and so Paul's not speaking about that which he thought of himself but as he says in 1 Corinthians 15 1 through 3 he says that which I received that revelation I received I pass on to you I relay it to you as of first importance and then it stands to reason this doctrine this teaching that was revealed from God to them That which they relayed to the people must be received. The sound doctrine needed to be received. That's the process. Revealed, then relayed, and then received. Received by those who hear it, they believed and would take their stand on Scripture. And that's the basis of the individual Christian life, of the community of the believers. That we stand on God's revealed word and so we relay it and we receive it as such. I hope that you have opportunities to thank those charter members of this church who stood on the Word of God, not the speculation of man. And that Elam Mission Church has endured and impacted many lives because there were those who were part of the group that helped found this church and continued that legacy as people of the gospel. They were people of the Word. I hope we don't take that for granted. That there is a generation that said, "I believe, we believe, and we're going to build a ministry upon God's word, this revelation." Well, then, verse nine, he, he uses an interesting word. He says, "Be able to both to exhort and sound doctrine." That word, "sound," literally is hygiene. It literally means healthy or well. In other words, sound doctrine is reflected in healthy, a healthy Christian, a healthy church. When Paul says sound doctrine is key, what he's saying is that preaching that's being revealed, relayed, and received must be reflected because sound doctrine is healthy. It's always health giving. So if we want to find healthy Christian, if you want to find a healthy church, look for those whose lives is built on sound doctrine. Scripture, not legalistic speculations of man, but sound doctrine of Scripture. Both sound doctrine, which is rooted in the gospel, is healthy doctrine. It produces health-giving living. And when sound doctrine is imparted to individuals and to corporate groups of people, there will be evidence of vitality, health, and spiritual growth. And I fear there are anemic Christians who are so because they're deficient in sound and healthy teaching. If you want to grow, if you want to become a healthier Christian, you need to be in the scriptures period. There's no other way. It's how God has given us His Word, His revealed Word, that we could receive it and grow. Paul, in verses 9 and 10, he begins to talk about this false teaching of the opposers. In total contrast to the sound doctrine of the apostles, Paul tells Titus there's an awful lot of spurious false teaching coming from opposers. More literally, contradictors. Contradictors in both doctrine and and in practice the Bible's filled with concerns about false teachings and its danger to the people of God in the New Testament we find just for example some strong words and warnings from Jesus in Matthew seven fifteen and Mark 13 through 23 we have strong warnings from Paul here in Acts 20 29 to 30 1st Timothy 4 1 through 3 and 2nd Timothy 3 1 through 9 we have stern warnings from Peter in Second Peter two one through three, how about John? 1 John two and Second John seven, and then Jude, Jude seventeen through nineteen. We have all these warnings throughout the New Testament, especially that there would be those these contradictors, those who would be false teachers who would infiltrate the church, which that which is not sound doctrine. And Paul saying here they must be confronted because they're divisive. Verse ten through eleven. For there are many rebellious men. There's not some, not just a couple. In the island of Crete, there were many. And he begins to describe them. They're empty talkers. They're just empty talkers. I mean, what they say is hollow. And they're deceivers, especially those of the circumcision. And so Paul says they're divisive. And if we look at verse 10 through 16, we need to recognize it's intimately tied to verses 5 through 9 by the word 4. In other words, it stresses the importance of qualified elders in the church who would be able to watch out for false teaching. I hope you're appreciative. I know I am deeply appreciative of our current elder board and the elders who I've been able to serve with. Men committed to scripture. Men who will say, what does the word say? And I'm so grateful for them, and I hope you are as well, because they help protect the church from false doctrine. And Paul was saying to Titus, make sure you have elders who are qualified because there's false teachers. And most false teachers, as you know, they're personable and often persuasive. They're ambitious. But what they teach has little truth, sprinkled, or deception sprinkled maybe with a little truth. And these elders were to be faithful to the Word, because it would expose the deception of these teachers. These false teachers were destitute in how they talk. Again, they're many. They're rebellious, which speaks to their attitude. They're empty talkers, which speaks to their their actions. And they're full of deception, which speaks to their condition. In other words, they were a law unto themselves, claiming a direct pipeline to God. They refused accountability to the truth. And they were dangerous in what they thought. The situation in Crete is these false teachers were Judaizers who offered a Jesus plus theology. Yes, it's Jesus, but you need to be circumcised. You need to add that law, the works to it. It's Jesus plus, but whenever there's Jesus plus, you subtract Jesus in his perfect work of Calvary when he said it is finished. There's nothing we could add to Christ's perfect work on the cross. Yet there were those in Creed who were saying, yeah, okay, Jesus, but you also need this for salvation. That's dangerous. That's why it was necessary to silence them. They were ruining the unity of the church, the people of the gospel. They are ruining the witness of the community. Ultimately, the name of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. To be confronted with the truth of the gospel, with the results of their activity, it was essential. They were confronted. They were deceived. Who they are became clear. It's not that only that they were dis- divisive, but they were deceived. So, so much so that the inhabitants of Crete became characterized by a, a saying. A saying that began to be used, and it meant to be cretinized, meant to be lied to. I mean, how would you like to have your name opposed to attached to lying? But they were. So people heard of Crete, thought of liars, but look what else they heard of. They were, Cretans are always liars, not sometimes. Evil beasts, not just beasts, not just gluttons, they were lazy gluttons. Beast speaks to sensuality, kind of out of control behavior, and lazy glutton speaks for itself. They were deceived. And as a surgeon cuts away at the disease and infection that threatens the health of the body, Paul's telling Titus, this toxic teaching and behavior must be cut away. We're surrounded with false teachings. Teachings that deny the virgin birth. Teachings that erase hell. Teachings that say there's many paths to God. The prosperity gospel those that define and deny the person of Jesus Christ teaching that human works need to be added to the finished work of Christ there's religious false teachings all around us but Paul's really focus on the sound doctrine if we were to really keep in context which we should really was clearly related to the gospel as some theologians say there's a first level second level and third level doctrines this would be called the first level the gospel. They were messing with the gospel. The teaching of Christ. The pure teaching of the gospel. Paul says, you got to deal with it, guys. you got to deal with it. And it's not just, if that's not bad enough, they are divisive and deceived, they were defiled. Look at verse 15 and 16. Reminded, we're reminded here that behavior and belief go together. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Both their mind and their conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but look at this. But by their deeds, they deny him, being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. How would you like that said about you? You know, it wasn't just that their orthodoxy was wrong. Their orthopraxy was wrong. They weren't living in accordance with the gospel, certainly a deceptive gospel, And sometimes it's easy to kind of camp on the the sense of we want to stand for truth, but then overlook the fact that our behavior is contrary to the truth we're trying to stand on. And Paul tells Titus, "Don't, don't let him get away with that. The elders need to address that. These people lacked purity. Their whole inner self was corrupted. They rejected the truth. Titus was to train elders. To silence and to shut up these problem people, which brings us to the serious responsibility of elders. Several years ago, a church I attended, um, there was a group of people in the church who began to use I don't know the, I don't remember the name of it. it was actually a weight loss program which incorporated scriptural principles and things like that. And as this group began to go through it, um, it became obvious, as we looked at the curriculum, there were some concerns about it, that it had a false teaching regarding the Trinity. It taught modelism, which isn't true. And so we got a hold of that, read that, and we had to tell the group, listen, we know it's helping you lose weight and there's some benefit, we, we get that, but this is clear false teaching of the level one kind. And uh, the majority of them were gracious, there were a couple who were a little bent out of shape. Um, but ultimately it had to be done, and the elders were courageous enough to step in and say, this is not scriptural teaching, you know, we, we can't be going through that and that's a serious thing and the serious warning here to the elders is address the opposition reprove them severely now that sounds harsh doesn't it reprove them severely but remember we compare Scripture with Scripture Paul tells uh, Timothy in 2 Timothy he says the Lord's servant must not quarrel they must be kind to everyone able to teach and to do it gently with gentle instruction And there's a point where discipleship means we sit down with those who are outside the Scriptures, we disciple and teach them, but this isn't talking about those who respond to that. This is talking about those who are deceiving others, and they're on their own. I mean, they're going down their own road. And to them, Paul tells the elders, you need to deal with it seriously. You need to address the opposition. And the second thing he tells the elders, you need to address the believers. There is a responsibility to protect believers from harm to encourage them in growth, and to develop discernment. Most important, we become increasingly familiar with the truth. When we become increasingly familiar with the truth, we become sounder and able to spot the deception. That's why we provide opportunities to get into scriptures. At 1045, you have a chance, our Foundations of Bible Doctrine class. We want to help lay a solid foundation of sound, healthy doctrine. Our growth group opportunities are centered around the Word of God. Children and youth have opportunities to build their life on solid, sound doctrine. It's incredibly significant. So that this group would somehow become a family built upon the sound doctrine of the Word of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. It tells us the truth. We can stand on it. We build our lives on it. God, we know it will never fail. And we see the warning here that false teaching will fail. It will distort. It will divide. Lord, I pray that you continue to help us to be Christians who long for your truth who daily seek out your revealed word. Lord, who build our decisions, our goals, our plans, our lives, our belief system on your truth. Lord, personally, and I I know my brothers would agree with me, I thank you for those who've gone before us in this church who took a stand on the word, built this ministry on your word, we thank you for them. We thank you for our elders who do the same. Men of the word. Bless them. Encourage each of these persons this day. Yeah, although it's been hard, I'm sure for the, those who built this church or helped be a part of that, God. Um, and those today who take the stand on the word, it, it's not always easy. Give them courage. Give them strength, I pray. So God, as we... Become and increasingly become the family you want us to be. That we'd be a family built on truth. A family that's distinguishable. That's identifiable in our communities. As people of the gospel. For the praise and glory of your name I pray this. In Jesus' name. Amen.